The Judge and the Journalist. Season 1, The Trial of Joe Exotic. Hi there. Welcome to The Judge and the Journalist. I'm Judge Susie Sexton. And I'm Teresa McEwen, the journalist. Hi, and welcome back to another episode. Today's guest is Lee Morin. She is an entertainment attorney. And the reason that Susie and I both felt that we wanted to talk to you, Lee, is because it seems like this ginormous feud that began back in the day between Joe and Carol, which ultimately resulted in Carol getting a judgment against Joe and ultimately taking Zoo and all that. You know, it seems like this is a great way to give people the backstory of how all this animosity even got started in the first place. So first, I would like Susie to say hi. Hi. <laughs> yakking. And Susie, did you want to ask Lee a little bit more about her background? Well, I wanted, I wanted Lee to have a, a chance to do that because there are a lot of people, Lee, that don't understand. First of all, uh, entertainment lawyer sounds like you're uh, out. out yeah, well, <laughs> that sort of thing. But it's, it's a very involved area. And intellectual property is a part of that. And people hear that bandied about. And can you take a few minutes to talk about, first of all, how you got into that, what it really means when you when you are in that area in terms of intellectual property and entertainment law? First of all, thank you for having me as a guest on The Judge and the Journalist. Uh, it's very... Uh, humbling to be asked for your opinion on things uh, that are so important in our general culture. So I really appreciate uh, the inclusivity of my opinion and uh, look forward to this conversation. We want to hear about what really intellectual law involves and what entertainment law involves. So the best way to explain that is you can be an intellectual property attorney without being an entertainment lawyer and never work on a case in entertainment forever. But you can't be an entertainment lawyer without understanding at least intellectual property and ideally being an expert at it. And the intellectual property that we see most often in entertainment is copyright mm -hmm. because it protects the expressions of ideas. Ideas are not protected. Ideas are more like inventions. Uh, and those are generally protected under patents. We don't see many patents in entertainment unless they are, for example, musical instruments uh, that were invented or recording technologies or a lot of these emerging technologies uh, back you know, in the Middle Ages, the emerging technology in the 15th century was the printing press. Mm -hmm. Trademarks is another popular area, and that really applies to all commerce, both interstate and intrastate. And I say that distinction because we are uh, a country that is united by states. And so we have state laws and federal mm -hmm. laws. But yeah. can I just and jump in real quick and ask the difference for people like me that aren't as legal minded? A trademark versus a copyright. I think people inter intermix those terms sometimes. What's the what's the difference between the two? 
So like I was saying, the copyright is protecting an expression of a fact, an mm -hmm. expression of an idea. That's okay. why when, you know, you go and you make a pitch, you don't want to be too general because general ideas are not protected. It's the particular expressions that are okay. the delineations of characters and plots and storylines, et cetera. With trademarks, trademarks are brands. So everybody- Coca-Cola. Everyone can have a brand, and that's another distinction. Trademarks, if they're used properly, can be protected forever, like Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. Generally, if a copyright were to be published now, it, depending on who the author and the owner is, it would be protected for the life of the author plus 70 years after oh, death. Oh, wow. So in the case of Carol Baskin and the copyright for Big Cat Rescue, how would that Now, be? that's different, right? That's because, different. That was a trademark, wasn't it? Well, you know, her copyrights, if you look at the copyright complaint, the requirement is to present the chain of title. So I do a lot of title work in copyright. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really important because it provides the legal foundation, the basis for being able to exploit all of your exclusive rights. Mm -hmm. And it's basically the power of consent is very important to creative uh, businesses, especially because that's how they make their money, right? right, um, right. Is, is controlling the uses of their uh, art artistic expressions. As you know, Lee, what happened was, as I understand it, you know, these two of, well, uh, Teresa calls it the feud ignites. <laughs> what he was doing is he was like, well, I think one of the things that first started it, he, Joe, Joe, she, well, I think she actually first be, put his name on a website that accused him of being an animal abuser. For years, she has been exploiting me on her cubabuse.com, 911abuse.com, and all of her other websites saying that I'm this big abuser of tigers, and I breed tigers, and I use tiger cubs for petting and promoting, which is extremely dangerous. Well, back in 2013, I filed bankruptcy, and her and her lawyers in bankruptcy court abandoned 50 tigers back in my care. The question is, is if I'm such an abuser for tigers, why did they put 50 tigers back in my care? To retaliate, he did a lot of antics. One thing that I think started it, there was a photograph that three of the people that worked for him or volunteered had killed a rabbit. At Carol's rescue. Party. At Carol, at, at the rescue. I don't know if you call it the corporation or whatever. He found that somehow. And to retaliate, he sent that photograph to all rabbit rescue, who knew that there were that many, around the country, yeah, right. <laughs> which created a lot of problems for her. So that was one of them, and I think that was one of the first ones where either Carol Baskin or the corporation bought the photograph from the people that took the photograph and then tried to get Facebook to turn it, to uh, take it off. They wouldn't do it. Then she got a copyright on that or Correct. bought the photograph. This, this is how insane she is, okay? My grandpa died and left a trust for all of his kids in Kansas that had mineral rights and farmland, and it could never be sold as long as mom was alive, all right? So we get a mineral right check every year, and I think it was 2013, uh, I filed when I filed bankruptcy. And my oil mineral right check that year was $6.18. She purchased in bankruptcy court my mineral rights 
for $33,000 just to take it away from me. And then there were a number of others up to and including a video that uh, I guess Joe Exotic found that was Carol's husband at a some sort of a, an event where they had baby tigers and he was seen petting a baby tiger, which is what Carol originally started accusing Joe of as being animal. So that's what how this all started. But these other photographs that he had, he was posting them. Those are the ones, as you said, you know, she went and got them, got a copyright from all of those. And that was my original question to you. I didn't realize that you could do that if you hadn't been the person who owned the photograph, but that's what you were talking about, correct? Right. So that's a chain of title issue. It always depends on the intention of the person creating the work, right? Again, um, the artistic expression, if you will, protected. Uh, and, and that's a whole nother area of litigation. Is this a valid copyright? Is this copyright copyright eligible material? Um, these are ways to attack uh, some type of infringement claim. So can we um, take as- this one photograph as the example, the one of the rabbit? because it was a horrible photograph. I saw. I never did see it. It was a horrible photograph of three volunteers mm. with a blo- mm. with holding up bloody rabbits. Mm-hmm. And Joe posted it somewhere, either on his website or wherever. And then Carol, it's the way I understand it, then Carol went and got that yeah, photograph copywritten, right? Mm-hmm. And then sued him. They killed these rabbits to feed the, feed the cats. And, uh, I sent that picture to every rabbit rescue in the world. They all got on Carol's ass. And so she buys this picture and then she files a copyright. Uh, she filed, she copyrighted it. Then three months after I posted it, she files a copyright lawsuit against me because I posted a picture that she copyrighted after I posted the picture. And, and you know how much money she has spent and how much power she has? She has got that rabbit picture taken completely off of the internet. You can't find it anywhere. It used to be all over Google. It used to be everywhere. So I haven't seen that particular photo or the you complaint, but it. if it's in the same vein as the one that I did see, then essentially it sounds like what she did was if this, uh, she went out and let's just say she purchased this from the author and whoever it was, they assigned her the rights. They, they extinguished their rights in it, mm-hmm. the transference, the sale. Yep. For $25. You know, and, yep. and then she is the holder. So we, uh, the federal government says, if you register your copyright, we will provide you with courts mm. to, to litigate, to enforce. We'll provide you with the statutory protections under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, and we'll provide you with statutory damages. Uh, and if it's willful infringement, we'll increase those damages up to 30000 per claim or 150000 per claim. So with Carol's complaint, she was able to register within 30 days of discovering the infringement, even though the infringement had occurred months and months before, right. uh, according to the complaint, she was still able to get those statutory damages. And and here's the other thing: she would never have been able to, to take advantage of uh, the courts or file a DMCA takedown notice if she didn't have a copyright registration. So there's right. all these incentives for her to um, to arrest control over this property is to go out and get the title work done, go out and get the copyright registration, and then 
go with uh, the remedies that are offered by the copyright. But I just want to know how the courts awarded Carol Baskin a million dollar judgment against Joe Exotic. So it's if I were to guess, I would say it just look at the math. There were five copyrights allegedly infringed, right? Mm -hmm. And if all if she met all of the factors and was able to prove willful, remember willful infringement bumps mm -hmm. up those statutory damages from thirty thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand per infringement. So she if she was able to prove to the satisfaction of the judge, if this was a bench trial, that all five uh, copyrights were willfully infringed, then uh -huh. add that up. 150 times five is 750. And then you've got on top of that, you've got attorney's fees. Um, because if she's opt, you can either get one or the other. You can't have actual damages and profits and statutory. You have to pick one. And so my guess is statutory was certainly more money for her than actual damages and any profit. Profits Joe could have made. He would have had, you know, yeah. from from that. And and much easier. It wasn't for profit. Yeah. It was just right to. Yeah. to oh, her, and yeah. and I will. I actually gave a lot of thought to that. That might be a good way to take the conversation. But but going from seven fifty, then you're looking at attorneys' fees. And if she got attorneys' fees, it's easy to spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a copyright. Well, complaint. no wonder he couldn't. Well, no, they they they. I think they came in on the pleading and saying we want a million dollars. They started doing litigation. Then he said, I don't have any time to do this. I don't have any money. He stopped it. So I assume that the court didn't, I don't know whether they, if somebody abandons the lawsuit in a copyright thing, whether the court can just say, okay, this is what you requested. And I don't have one to, by default yeah. kind of well, thing. kind of one what? need to be a default, um, though, again, because I'm not a lit, I'm not litigating cases. Uh -huh. I try to keep clients. I'm more of a preventative attorney yeah, than, yeah. A, sure. than a triage, although I have extracted clients from bad situations. My guess is if she, if he wasn't there to defend himself and this is a civil suit, all she has to do is prove her case. I believe civil cases, the um, threshold is by a preponderance of the evidence. Right. Uh, Judge Sexton might better be able to tell you. Um, but <laughs> well, that's but, it. I mean, that's civil preponderance. Yeah. Not, so, mm. so sure. And then the rest is just, was it willful? you know, and all these other factors she she appears to have met. And, and you know, were the attorney's fees reasonable? I mean, these are all, so damages, asserting damage, first you have to find, you know, liability. That's right. a whole issue by itself. And then sometimes, although I don't know if it was done here, you have to, you have a whole case on damages, like to figure out how much the damages are. Um, but with statutory, it's pretty cut and dry, but then you have to look at everything else that made up that, that gap. So she, so she got this judgment officially, and then he couldn't, you know, he, he had to, like, leave the room, so to speak. And now, um, so now, how do you then start collecting on it? Here recently, she has spent over a half a million dollars keeping me in court and trying to collect on a million-dollar settlement that is never going to happen. First of all, you got to be smart enough to know that when a man ain't got a million dollars, it's time to pull the plug and call it quits. But she's spending your hard-earned money, and she's spending the donations that you give to them animals in order to keep harassing me. But there are obviously mm -hmm. probably steps in between. So, um, so again, this is an area in litigation I'm not familiar with, but I have enough. I know a little bit 
to be able to guide your audience in that direction with judgments. Um, you've heard of the judgment-proof defendant, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah. who is somebody has you're broke, not going to get any money has, from them. Oh, no, got it. Okay, and, but that means that they have no assets. So usually, when um, well, I did. actually just yeah. recently um, w- was unfortunately helping someone through this kind of uh, situation, and what it turns out is you can do a lot of different things. So they say a good lawyer is someone who can get a judgment. A great lawyer is someone who can collect on the judgment. Ah, right? And go. so you employ private investigators, you look yeah. for assets, you look for property, you do, it's all kinds of- You do of that s- before you even file the lawsuit. So she knew- Those yeah, are the he lawyers. Have, he had sure. assets, obviously, right. at the zoo. So in this case, she got the judgment, and I know she did take some fixed assets at some point, but I was just curious, mm-hmm. like- as an average person, I mean, you have no record. Like he offered to pay them on a monthly basis. They turned down that offer. So at the end of the day, uh, because Carol okay. is quite litigious, I mean, she's filed, I think, uh, several hundred lawsuits. In oh, really? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you look at the records, we did that when we were doing our show. Oh, okay. um, She's a very litigious person. I think her husband's a, a, a lawyer, lawyer, isn't he? Yeah, but I don't yeah. know if he's practicing or whatever. Oh, okay. But anyway, she's yeah. really good. I think it, well, you read the dip, deposition, Lee. I mean, she's pretty good at doing this, right? I mean, at work in the courts and she had a lot of information to present and, you know, she comes off as, and she's an intelligent woman. I mean, there's no question about that. So anyway, so it just sounds, I just wondered if, you know, he was, I mean, at this point, he still apparently is paying off this judgment, even though now he's in prison. Do they then assess that, okay, his zoo is worth $600,000. Therefore, mm. she's gotten this much in the past um, in assets, and then she now has the zoo, but she, he still owes her 200000 Or is it just kind of like, I mean, who, how do you, how do you keep track of that? Who keeps track of that? Is there a system in place for that? Plug if that. I was to guess, I would say that it would be the only people who care about collecting that get whatever the gap funding is it would be carol who wants the money it sounds vindictively uh from the way you describe it Uh and also her attorney who has to help her through this process because she's looking to the attorney why where's my money why can't i get this judgment so those are literally the only two people who probably care about getting the rest of the money when when they arrested me, I couldn't make payments on the lake property where, where the lake was just north of the zoo, you know. And they had a sheriff's auction and they sold it for 70 something thousand dollars. And by the time they paid the auctioneer and they paid the note off, she got 16000 out of that. The woman is just insane, okay? My semi, uh, another asset problem that we went through, okay? I had two semis, you know, and then I sold one and I got down to one semi. Well, Doug Terranova was traveling and I quit traveling, okay? And his semi broke down and he couldn't afford to fix it, so I loaned him my semi. So he has my semi down in Texas, all right? Now keep in mind that I only bought this semi for $14,000 and I used it for seven years, okay? And I still owed 7,000 on it, okay? She goes through having a, a court hearing, an asset hearing, on everything else in Oklahoma City, paying lawyers for like six months. And, and then she gets a judgment to go get the a court order to be able to go get the semi. Okay, so she sends a tow truck, a semi tow truck, which is expensive as all the way from Oklahoma City down to Kaufman, Texas, 
to get the semi. And then they haul it all the way back to Oklahoma City and they put it in an auction. And this semi only brings like $6,000 and it didn't even pay off enough to pay the note to the bank. Okay, so she paid all that money for lawyers to go have a tow truck, go get the semi and everything else and lost $1,000 to the bank. You know, we're not just lawyers, we're counselors, right? right? So we also have to kind of talk about things that are outside the law, like ethics and morals and general, you know, I think a lot of the time we want our clients to be at peace and happy. And there is no peace when, you know, you've done everything you can and it's literally squeezing blood from a turnip. I mean, how much farther will you go to prove a point? You <laughs> That's know? a very and good question. Oh, it gets better. Then she files a lawsuit against mom because mom transferred the land into my name at one time. So that way my brothers and sisters couldn't get it in case something happened to mom. Well, Carol sued my mom for illegal transfer of assets. Okay, so we transfer it back into mom's name and then Carol makes the bankruptcy court appraise the land and my mom had to buy the land back from the bankruptcy court again for $68,000. So Carol got that, okay? So my mom bought the property when we first bought the zoo and then she had to buy the property back away from the bankruptcy court. And then after I got arrested, Chelsea got mom's power of attorney and signed the property over to Carol again. So. My mom paid for it twice and then once with a life. My understanding, and Joe has posted this, um, that, you know, when he gets out of prison, he intends to, um, you know, pay the debt down, like pay it off. And so apparently there's still some some part of it that hasn't been repaid. The minute I get out of here, the first $600,000 I make goes to pay that damn judgment off so she can leave me alone the rest of my life. She spent two million dollars trying to collect a million. Uh, it, that tells you how bright the woman is. But she's using donated money, so it doesn't matter. It's not hers anyway. Here's my well, take on this whole situation. Like, so both of them both obviously care about animals in one form or fashion. You got to just keep an open mind about that, right? Uh -huh. Just because her version is different from his version doesn't mean either version is right or wrong. It's just how they do what they do. The problem I have is um, it became acrimonious when, you know, either one of them started presenting what they thought were facts. And so we have our own subjective mind, mm -hmm. which is, uh, unfortunately, most people walk around very unaware, and they think their own subjective mind is the world, right? That is how things are. Mm -hmm. And if you don't agree with how I think things are, then you're wrong. And they're very close minded. So the problem with that is that's what gives rise to defamation a lot of the time, because if I see you and I have to judge you, because that makes me more comfortable in my skin, and I go out and I say, this person is abusive, this person is um, you know, doing whatever, and here's my evidence, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what is the purpose of all of that? It's going to get you in trouble is what's going to happen. There mm -hmm. are ways of using justice um, to, to help expose injustice, right? There yep. are, and that's why people should come to lawyers before they publish anything. Ah. I had clients all the time who, you know, especially with the Me Too movement and entertainment, they're writing about, they're, they think they're exposing people, but then they 
get a cease and desist? And they're like, what the hell? And I said, well, there's ways of avoiding that. And you just have to talk to someone who understands defamation in order to avoid this happening. You have to talk to someone who understands infringement before you go out and you make yourself vulnerable. The problem with it, street justice feels good. It really does. But what it does is it exposes you to a vulnerability. What you're doing that makes you feel good in the short term is actually in the long term going to hurt you more than the person you're targeting. Well, I think that's exactly what happened in this case. It is exactly what happened. And it makes me sad because it's the only people who get rich out of these things are lawyers. Exactly. That's it. Yep. This is the Lawyer Employment Act. We it, That's an unfortunate statement, but we always use that when people don't are, are practicing, um, so, you know, their subjective mindedness and they're very closed minded. And instead, they need to consider that there's more than one way to do things. Well, I don't think anyone understands how complicated the whole yes. beginning of this story really was. And, and like you're saying, Lee. A lot of it could have probably been avoided. Well, Lee, this has been very enlightening and uh, educational for me because this is not my world. And I'm sure anybody who has a a situation, they're going to know from now on, do it the right way and don't get yourself into a big old, big old hoo-ha, as we say in the South, like Joe Exotic had. (laughs) And Lee is in Atlanta. So now you know where she is if you need her. If you need her. Yes, indeed. Okay, Lee, thank you so, so much for today. thanks so much. Enjoyed hearing from you. Yeah, you're wonderful. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Thank you you. Okay. I don't have time for the drama and I don't have time for the court battles or anything else. But let's just ask Carol Baskin, up front and honestly, what is this really about? Are you that obsessed with Joe Exotic? Or are you making that much money off of exploiting some man for being an animal abuser who's not really an animal abuser? Because my first question would be, if he was an animal abuser, why in the hell would you leave 50 tigers in his care when you had the opportunity to take them? We'd like to give special thanks to our sponsor, J.R. Shrewsbury Coaching and Consulting, as well as big shout outs to our executive producer, Pat Kelly, our editor, Neil Galarte of Wild Style Media, Serena Fazan, our VO artist, and Bailey Sweeney, our social media manager. Thank you one and all. Thanks for spending your valuable time with us. Show notes are linked to our website, thejudgeandjournalist.com. Make sure you don't miss any new episodes, so subscribe, tell a friend, and please feel free to rate and review us.